0: because it reminds me that my mind and my body here on earth are temporary, but they're no match for our God who is forever. Through hardships or struggles or even as we age, there's one thing that remains and that will not fail us and that's our faith. I praise God every day for the strength that he so willingly gives us. He is our portion forever. Please remain seated, but join our team in worship together.
1: a great day, and I really do mean this. This has been such a refreshing time for us just to be here. We've only been here a couple of days, uh, but your pastor and his wife and so many of you have just poured into us. I was telling our team right before we came out of here, I, I said, I didn't realize how much I needed to be refreshed until we got here, and you all have been such a blessing to us, so thank you so much. You know, I was thinking as the team was singing Lord Most High, the Bible says, in everything give thanks, Pray without ceasing, rejoice always. So, you know, many times somebody will look at us and say, hey, what have you been doing today? Well, I've been busy. I've been busy. I'm busy. Or this happened or that happened. Well, you know, I was thinking, the Bible says there's three things that we should always do. Pray without ceasing, rejoice always, and everything give thanks. You know what I started thinking about? If I'm giving thanks and everything, praying without ceasing and rejoicing always, I don't have any time to get in trouble. And if I'm doing those three things, I don't have any time to sin. You know, God knows what He's talking about. And His Spirit is rejoicing always. His Spirit is always leading us to pray. And His Spirit is always leading us to give thanks. And so if we're walking in the Spirit, those are three revival aspects that are going to be true of our life. So team, tonight, how have you been rejoicing today? What are you praising the Lord for? What are you giving thanks for? What are you praying about? What would you like to share? Emma? Emma?
2: I'm praising the sunshine. Yeah. Just today it was so wonderful outside and we had lunch outside and just
3: Lord's beauty football and just stuff and I'm praising the Lord today that he is our rest, is our refreshment, is our renewal. That we can come to him when we're tired, when we and he can give us rest. Dive deep, talk to him renew we're whether we're four hours of sleep. Okay. okay. Um today I'm praising God for nature but specifically song the other day. Even God even so cool to think that all of this <laughs> everything around us is masterpiece of God's creation. Who else? Uh,
0: Jackie? I'm praising the Lord tonight because he is so delicate. Um I think this idea sparked in my brain after watching um an interview the uh, I believe it was past president of Asbury College um in Kentucky. If you don't know they've been having a chapel since um so it's gone over a hundred now. And um so anyway she did an interview and explained how delicate and just kind and selfless the everybody praising and confessing and um fellowshipping and she said that it reminded her what she thinks heaven's going to be. And that got me thinking, God is so delicate, he has power. Um, not only does he show his delicacy, like the small things, like the birds, um, but he shows his delicacy. The Bible, as he's going, as he's power, he stops to say, don't be afraid. And I think in the Bible it says, don't be afraid 365 times, or 365 times, one for every day of the year. So that just reminds me. Every day of the year, we should not be
3: afraid. Uh, Joey? I would say one thing that I'm praising the Lord for is... Uh, there's, there's so much music, but we as Christians have the one Only
4: thing. Worth.
1: Well, I'm going to give them time to come out and find as many of you as possible and tell you what they're praising the Lord for. You tell them what you're praising the Lord for. And if a team member doesn't get to you, look to someone next to you and say, Hey, tonight I'm praising the Lord for... Fill in the blank. Take a few moments, stand up and move around and greet one another tonight. The the team's going to share another song with you, and then pastor's going to come and hear about the offering and other things this evening. But I, I tell my wife all the time, the song they're about to sing is the song that I would like sung at my funeral, because it is the greatest, it's one of the greatest songs I know of that so descriptively shares the gospel. And I want you to hear these words tonight. My favorite line in the entire song is, when my accuser makes the claim that I should die for my offense. I point him to that rugged frame where Christ, tonight, revel in the greatest thing we can praise God for.
3: That is that the blood of Jesus
5: Come
6: Revival Ministries, and man, I'm telling you, we uh, are blessed to have them here this week. It's been uh, a good day yesterday. If you were here with us, it's been a great day today. And uh, let me tell you something about these young people. Uh, they're they're the real deal. It's not this is not fake. When you lose hope in this generation, get to know one of these young people, and I'm not kidding. I've got to got to meet them more than just here and um that is uh one of the advantages uh in a church when when they go and stay in other people's houses they get to they get to um know them a little bit and uh they've just been such a blessing already uh and uh, the hopkins and uh we're so thankful for all those uh that put such hard work into it listen to me they travel and they put in probably eighty to ninety hours a week uh, to make sure that uh, they can minister uh, to people and to churches and uh, big churches and small churches and medium churches and and people and individuals and uh, they they 'll they sing in public and uh, they'll uh, they were singing in a cavern one one time I told you that and and uh, they uh, they were asked to sing in another part of the cavern, and uh, so uh, they just minister everywhere they go, and they just love Jesus, and so I'm so proud to have them here, and uh, not just because my daughter's in it. Uh, I, I've said, Brother Mark, I don't know how many times I've said, Emma's group, and I keep saying, okay, it's not Emma's group. She's just in the group, but uh it's been uh it's been wonderful and um so as ushers come, uh we're gonna go ahead and take up an offering. Uh all the money that comes in, if you can earmark it if you don't mind uh if you plan on giving, uh please put it in an envelope and market uh ERM, even if you don't put your um even if you don't put your name on it. Earmark ERM just so that we know what comes in uh is going uh, uh going to um uh the the team and ERM and so uh we are uh super excited for the opportunity to be able to give, and uh, because God loveth a cheerful giver. Cheerful. You know what that word cheerful means? It literally means hilarious. I mean, that's how excited, right? Some of you are like, yeah. Uh, no, really, excited about giving and uh, the opportunity that we have uh, to invest in something that matters. Have you been to the restaurant lately? Have you went into a store to buy a, to buy a drink? I mean, it will blow your mind the money that we spend, 2 and $3 on a a soda. And then, you know, it's church time, and we're like, that's all they talk about is money. When we spend money all day long and all week long. And uh, so what a great opportunity to be able to give uh, uh, to uh, this uh, very worthy uh, team and uh, organization uh, that is winning souls. I mean, lives are changed. Every church that they go to, I mean, they're seeing results. The last couple churches they've been to, uh, they've had so many people saved and uh, young people. And so we're super excited to have a small part in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you this time that uh, we can uh, gather together. Thank you for each one that's here tonight. Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts and uh, help us to open up our ears and open up our hearts to receive exactly what you would have uh, for us uh, through song, uh, through drama, uh, and through the preaching of your word. We'll love you and thank you for all that you do for us. Bless the offering, and bless the hands uh, that um, give uh, to it, and uh, may it be sufficient to meet the needs. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Son of Christ
1: Christ is our hope in life or death. I like to put it this way. Christ is our everlasting everything. He's indescribable. In fact, Paul says he's the indescribable, incomprehensible gift. A pastor several decades ago was writing a sermon, and he was getting all caught up as he read the Bible, and the Bible began to describe who Jesus is. I mean, just think about it. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth, the life. He's the morning star. He's the chief shepherd. He's the king of glory. And we just keep going on, on. And the pastor finally wrote a sermon entitled, That's My King, where he tried to describe Jesus. Tonight, get caught up in the words and the truth, who the
3: word himself is to. The
2: Bible says
6: he's the king of the Jews.
2: He's the king of Israel.
6: He's the king of righteousness.
2: He's the king of the ages.
6: He's the king of heaven.
2: He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he
6: is the Lord of lords. Now Now that's my king.
2: David says
6: the heavens declare the glory of God.
2: And the firmament showeth his handiwork.
6: No means
7: of measure can define his limitless love.
2: No far-seeing telescope can... Bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply.
7: No barriers can hinder him from pouring
6: out his blessing.
2: He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere.
6: He's eternally steadfast.
2: He's immortally graceful.
6: He's imperially powerful.
2: He's impartially merciful.
6: That's my king. He's God's son.
2: He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization.
7: He stands alone in himself. He's august.
6: He's unique.
2: He's unparalleled.
7: He's unprecedented.
2: He's supreme. He's preeminent.
6: He's the loftiest idea in literature.
2: He's the highest personality in philosophy.
4: He's the supreme problem in higher
7: criticism.
2: He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology.
7: He's the cardinal necessity
6: of spiritual religion. That's my king.
2: He's the miracle of the age.
6: He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him.
2: He is the only one able to supply all of our needs Simultaneously
6: He supplies strength for the weak
2: He's available for the tempted and the true
6: He
7: sympathizes and He saves
2: He guards and He guides He heals the sick
6: He cleanses the lepers
2: He forgives sinners
6: He discharges debtors
2: He delivers the captives
7: He defends the feeble
2: Blesses the young And He serves the unfortunate
6: He regards the aged
2: He rewards the diligent
6: And He beautifies the meek
2: Do you know Him?
7: My king is the key of knowledge.
2: He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance.
6: He's the pathway of peace.
2: He's the roadway of righteousness.
7: He's the highway of holiness.
2: He's the gateway of glory.
7: He's the master of the mighty.
2: He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes.
6: He's the leader of the legislators.
2: He's the overseer of the overcomers.
6: He's the governor of governors.
2: He's the prince of
7: He's the king of kings.
2: And he is the lord of lords.
6: That's my king. That's my king.
2: My king.
6: His office is manifold. His
2: promise is sure.
6: His life is matchless.
2: His goodness is limitless.
7: His mercy is everlasting. His
2: love never changes. His word is enough.
6: His grace is sufficient.
2: His reign is righteous.
6: His yoke is easy.
2: And his burden is light.
6: I wish
7: I could describe him to you
2: indescribable he's indescribable
6: he's incomprehensible
2: he's invincible
6: he's irresistible I'm trying trying to tell you
2: the heaven of heavens cannot continue
7: let alone a man explain him
2: you can't get him out of your minds and you can't get him off of your hands
6: you can't outlive him
2: and you can't live without him
6: the Pharisees couldn't stand him
2: and they found out they couldn't stop him
7: Pilate couldn't find any fault
6: in him
2: the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree and Herod couldn't kill him
6: death Couldn't handle him.
2: And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king.
4: He always has been.
2: And he always will be.
7: I'm talking about he had no predecessor.
2: He'll have no successor. There was nobody before him.
6: And there will be nobody after him. You
2: can't impeach him.
6: And he's not going to resign.
2: That's my king.
7: Praise the Lord.
2: That's my king. Thine is the kingdom.
7: And and the power and and the the glory. glory. The glory is all his.
2: Thine is the kingdom
4: and the power, and the glory, forever and ever and ever.
7: And when you get through with all of the forevers,
4: then amen.
6: our salvation
5: Jesus for our sake you die Father are restored And the church of Christ was born And the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not fail, shall not faint but His blood and in His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has reigned. we <laughs>
4: All right, so tonight, Marcus asked me to talk a little bit about prayer as the congregational team gets into place. And uh, one thing that I've been learning is that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I've seen this uh, countless times over my time being on the team. But one time very recently uh, in particular sticks out. Uh, Last week, myself and three other guys got to stay with the pastor. And Sunday morning, obviously, it's a big morning. You know, everyone comes to church um, on Sunday. So we have to get there an hour before the service. Well, the pastor looks at us and says, Hey, there's a prayer meeting that I'm going to go to, and, you know, I'm your ride, so you guys are going to come with me. And we were like, Yeah, awesome. We love prayer. So we get to this prayer meeting, and, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but there were several uh, men from the church, and the pastor just tells them, All right, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for brokenness of the people. We have a good church, everyone loves the Lord, but I'm praying for brokenness. I'm, t- I'm praying for things to be torn down, and then he does something that I was not expecting at all. He says, all right, now let's get on our knees. So all of us, were on our knees, and we pray for probably about half an hour, just praying for his church to be broken, for fruit to remain, and I was like, man, this is awesome. This is a pastor who knows what prayer is about. This is incredible. You know, I don't think a night went by that the altar was not filled up with broken people I don't think there was a single night where people were not absolutely broken God answered that request and not only did God answer that request he was also praying for the school because we were doing school chapels I believe 12 to 13 people came to know Christ that week God shows up and shows off and shows his glory through prayer Prayer is so incredible. Prayer is something that is not to be overlooked. Prayer is such a weapon when we fight these spiritual battles. You know, this is a battle, and prayer is how we fight. Let's fight on our knees, church. Let's not try and fight these things in our own power, because when we fight these things in our own power, we're going to fail over and over and over. Let us surrender ourselves, get on our knees, and pray to the Lord. Let us fight our battles on our knees.
7: Throughout our days, there's not a day that goes by where we can say, Lord, I don't need you to. Because we know that life is hard. But is God good? Yes. God is good. Imagine if we had a direct line to the President of the United States so that every time we had something not go our way, we could pick up the phone and say, Mr. President, I need this. But imagine we have a direct line that we can use any time where we can talk to the most powerful, the all-knowing, the God who created the universe, who knows us by name. We can go to Him. We can put our needs on Him. We can tell Him our needs, and He will give us strength to go through. There is not a day that goes by where I can say, Lord, I don't need You. Every day I have to say, Lord, I need You. So please stand and sing with us, Lord, I need You.
8: I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest, and without you, I fall. Apart. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and
1: this time as we prepare to look in God's Word tonight, we want to dismiss the children back to their children's club with the teenagers, uh, with the team. And uh, so children's club is ages four through fifth grade, and then the teens are sixth through twelfth grade. So children and teens, you are dismissed at this time with the team, and they are so looking forward to being with you guys this evening. Thanks for bringing your children and grandchildren. We're praying that this is just a revival time for the entire family. Also tonight, there is a handout for the sermon. That won't be the case every time we come together. But tonight, there is a sermon handout that you can follow along with this evening. And if you'll just raise your hand, uh, there's some guys in the back that if you did not get one when you came in, they will make sure you get one in your hands this evening. So just raise your hand high. And uh, they are coming around now to make sure you get one of those. And so Boom and Joe, thank you for doing that. As you're getting your sermon handout tonight, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 5 this evening. James chapter 5. We'll give you just a moment to find your place there as you get that handout. James chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18 tonight. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And tonight I want to talk to you about reviving prayer. I want to take the few moments that we have together. Hopefully your heart's been ministered to tonight in the truths of God's Word Uh, sung to us this evening. Then in our prayer, Lord, I need you. And our prayer tonight is that your prayer life and my prayer life would be revived, both individually, as families, and corporately. So again, if you don't have a handout, feel free to raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, we do need you, and we need you every hour. That's why you've commanded us to pray without ceasing. So Lord, we're so thankful that we always have access to the throne room of grace because of what Jesus accomplished for us. Lord, I'm reminded this evening that someone once suggested, wow, prayer is so easy in the sense that a believer has instant access to God. Well, it's because Christ has already accomplished all the hard work to make that possible. So God, we are so grateful for our great high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us, to open the floodgates and the doors to the throne room of grace for the believer. God, we pray, Lord, tonight that we would grow in our prayer lives and not only see our lives changed, but the lives of people around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reviving prayer. Someone once put it this way. If you want to know how popular a church is, come on Sunday morning. If you want to know how popular the pastor is, come on Sunday night. And if you want to know how popular God is, come to the prayer meeting. You know, it's very interesting. I don't know, I don't really know much about your church. Uh, I I know uh, a little bit about Pastor Springer and his wife, and I know Emma from Traveling Her, but I I purposely don't ask a lot of questions about the church. That way I can just kind of preach freely and just wherever it lands, it lands. I don't know if you even have a prayer meeting. I'm assuming you do, or you may not. I don't know. But I do know this, in most American churches, prayer meetings are hard to come by. And not only are they hard to come by, they're hard to get people to come to. In fact, I remember growing up in my Baptist church that preached the Word of God and preached the gospel, prayer meeting was always the least attended meeting of the services. Now if you want to get a lot of people at church, all you got to do is go down to Georgia and have a nice southern potluck and they will come running. After eating some of your food the past two days, I might drive six or seven hours next Sunday, even though we're going to be in other churches, come eat your food. But if you call a prayer meeting in most churches, it'll have the least attendance. The only thing that's more or less attended, so to speak, than the prayer meeting in an American church is door-to-door visitation. In fact, I remember for years I would grow up and I'd look at the bulletin and it would say, door-to-door visitation on Tuesday nights at 7. So one time I decided to come and I showed up and it was just my pastor sitting in the parking lot. And I walked over and I looked at him. I was, I, I was just old enough to drive. I was about 16 years old. I said, uh, pastor? I said, where's everybody else? He goes, well, I'm just glad you came. He said, sometimes deacon so-and-so comes, but it's only because their wife made him feel bad. But it was in the bulletin. Every week, no one came. What's interesting, I find, and this has been going on for decades, you know, we're all, all of a sudden, we're starting to talk about how bad things are. No, we've been building up to this for decades. For decades, the American church has needed revival, and the two greatest signs... That we're in need of revival is that the American church is not really interested in sharing the gospel with people, and we're not interested in praying. And the two greatest privileges that we have is to pray and to share the gospel. I mean, you can be the president of the United States and not have access to God like a believer does. We have access. You can be the president of the United States and not be commissioned to share the gospel. By the way, if you're waiting on the president to show up in Recon, Georgia, to win people to Christ, you're going to be waiting a long time. It is the church's job to share the gospel, and it is God's people who have been saved by His power for His purposes that have been given the great privilege of praying. Recon, Georgia needs God's people to pray rinkin georgia needs god's people to share the gospel but the american church is not interested and this isn't new we haven't been interested for decades only two percent of believers in the american church share their faith on a regular basis so we're watching the nightly news and we're like wow things sure are bad Well, it's because people aren't saved well why why don't they get saved well my bible tells me they got to hear the gospel Well, how do they hear the gospel? Someone who received it has to share it, but only two out of a hundred are doing it. So the population is skyrocketing, and the number of Christians that are sharing their faith is plummeting. And then we're all confused on why it's so bad. And the other thing that's going on is we'd rather sit at home and watch a movie than come and behold God in prayer. Tonight I want to talk to you about reviving prayer. Now I've been watching for quite a few years in both pastoring and not pastoring and watching churches. And I I, I just don't know the way to say it. A church that prays, they see stuff. They see God work. I'm I'm talking about a church that truly prays, they see God do stuff. And a church that doesn't pray, they don't see a whole lot. In fact, we just close up the sermon right there. There you go. I, I watched it the past two weeks. I didn't know what Joy was going to share tonight. Last Sunday, they walked into a prayer meeting and some men were on the floor crying out for revival. I'm telling you, we saw God do some stuff last week. I already told you on Sunday that the week before, the whole church stayed after to pray and it was the next day that God saved 17 young people. And He didn't just save them. I'm talking 7th and 8th graders weeping for an hour after chapel getting saved. Someone always put it this way, prayer is the nerve that moves the mighty muscle of God. Reviving prayer. Well, James has already told us this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Take a look with me. I want you to look in verse 16. The context of the passage is he's calling people to pray and and, and I'm not going to explain the whole context because it's kind of a complicated passage and I'll leave that to your pastor. But there's one thing that is emphatically not even up for debate. It's pretty simple. It's found in the second part of verse 16 where it says, "...the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man," and we can say, or woman, "...availeth much." "...the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." You say, what does that mean? The word effectual means Holy Spirit energized. If you are to go home tonight, look up the original word. It means energized by the Spirit. So a person who's filled with the Spirit, living in the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, living the not I, but Christ life, the Galatians 2.20 life, which is my life first. that person has prayers that are energized by the Spirit because they're filled with the Spirit. And then he uses the word fervent. The word fervent means boiling hot. Our God is a consuming fire. So when we're filled with the Spirit, we have fervent, boiling hot, passionate prayers. So the spiritually energized, effective, boiling hot, fervent prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much. You say, what does righteous mean? Well, the moment we get saved, and we've already sung about it tonight, we are made legally righteous no condemnation do we dread. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and to that all God's people who are saved say amen. Amen. Jesus Christ has drank every drop of the wrath of hell that we deserve so that we can drink every drop of everlasting life. That's incredible. But we've been made legally and positionally righteous. But now that we've been made righteous in Christ, we have to put on that righteousness. We are becoming like Jesus. The moment you get saved is just the beginning of the story. Now, every day, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we behold the glory of God in His Word, we are transformed from one level of being like Jesus to the next by the power of the Spirit of God. We are becoming like Jesus. We are putting on His righteousness. So when God's people are clean, like we talked about Sunday morning, when God's people are right with God and they're clean. And by the way, one of your church members blessed me so much Sunday morning. One of you walked up to me Sunday morning and with tears, literally tears rolling down your face, you looked at me and said, thank you so much for the message this morning. And I just want you to know every morning when I get up, I cry out, search me, oh God and see if there be any wicked way in me. If there's anything wicked in me, I want to get it right with you today. That blessed my heart. In fact, that person could have come up and preached a sermon in two minutes. It took me 50 minutes. Thank you all for listening to all 50 minutes of that. When a person is clean and walking in the righteousness of Christ, energized by the Spirit, boiling hot... By the word of God, set on fire by the spirit of God, watch out when that Christian prays, here's what God promises. It will avail much. Say, what does that mean? God works through that kind of person to do his will. Quick question. Do you think God's done working in Rinkin, Georgia? No. God wants glory in Rinkin, Georgia more than we want to give him glory. God wants to do more through our church than many times we want to let Him do through His people. But God has promised that when His people pray, kneeling we triumph, when God's people pray and appropriate the victory that we have in prayer, God loves to show up, as Joy said, and show His glory off through that kind of people who meet those conditions. And you say, Mark, how do you know that? Well, God's Word just said it. And then James uses an outrageous illustration. It blows my mind every time. He says, if you don't believe me, don't you guys know the Old Testament? Don't you remember what happened? Look what what he said in verse 17. He said, Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. What does that mean? He had the same problems we do. He was a sinner just like us, saved by grace. He struggled just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And then James just moves on like nothing happened. That blows my mind. Now, I want you to understand something. It's so easy for us to read the Bible and just move on. we got to meditate on the Word. God, what did you just say? Here's what God just said. He just looked at all of us as New Testament believers because James is writing to the church. He just looked at all of us as New Testament believers and say, hey, God works His wonders through prayer. You better get to praying. How do I know? Don't you remember Elijah? He's just like us. He got the same problems we've got. He struggled with the same things we struggle with, with, but he walked with God by faith. And when he prayed, God did the impossible. It didn't rain on the earth for over three years. He prayed again and it rained. Hey, New Testament church, get to praying. You say, oh, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore then why did James just apply that to the New Testament church? I remember one time I was preaching on this passage in a church I pastored, and I will forget, a dear lady walked up to me, and she goes, Pastor, I appreciate the message this morning, but I'm struggling. She goes, I know James mentioned Elijah, but God doesn't work that way anymore. I said, who said? Like, where'd you get that? Why did James just use that as an illustration to a New Testament believer? Because James believes God is still the God of the impossible. And God works His glory and His wonders when His people get on board with Him in prayer. So tonight, I want to remind you quickly of some things that you probably already know. I'm probably not going to teach you anything new tonight, but I'm going to remind you of what God's Word has told us in prayer. Because what I've found as i preach this message around the country is that though we know these things, we need to be stirred to remember them. And when we understand a correct theology of prayer, it will stir us to fill the prayer meeting. In fact, after this message, sometimes I've literally had people walk up to me and say, I don't ever go to the prayer meeting, but I'm going to start going. I actually had a pastor look at me several weeks ago, and I think I said this Sunday morning. He said, from now on in the prayer meeting, we're not just going to pray about the physical. We're going to start praying for the spiritual as well. So tonight, I want to encourage you, revive your prayer life. What does that look like? Well, here's some foundational truths you should know. We know and serve the one true God. That's enough. I mean, we don't serve a false God. We know and serve the one true God. We've got access. We're His adopted children. That's incredible. We have a Heavenly Father that wants to answer the prayers of His adopted children. By the way, when you got saved, God did not just forgive you of your sin. And I, I, I want to remind you of something. I, I know there's this old Southern Gospel song that says, We're just, uh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And I like the song. And the Gaithers sing it, and I'll sing it, and i start crying. All this stuff. Anytime the Gaithers sing, I start crying. And 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 my wife just looks at me and leaves the room. And but but can I just run something by you? We're not just a sinner saved by grace anymore. We're a sinner saved by grace who've now been made saints. The Bible calls us saints. I once was a sinner, I've now been saved by grace, and though I still struggle with sin, though I still sin. I've now been given a new position in Christ. I've been made a saint. And Ephesians 1 says this, He adopted me. Like, He didn't just forgive me of my sin. He goes, I'm going to make you my son. If you're a lady, He says, I'm going to make you my daughter. I'm going to make you a joint heir with Jesus. I'm going to give you every spiritual blessing in Christ. I mean, God just lavishes Himself upon us. He says, in light of that, On top of these things, we can come boldly before His throne any time. He's promised to listen and answer, and God answers all prayer, yes, wait, or no. Now, the reason I throw this out is because I've been in the church my whole life, and I've been in churches all over this country, and and I'm starting to get the notion that we think that God only answers prayer when He says yes, but that is fake news. The only answer... Or let me put it this way. Yes is not the only answer. How do I know that? Because we serve a good heavenly father. How many of you are parents? How many of you have found that sometimes when you say no to your children, it's the best answer? Yeah. How many of you have found that when you say wait to your children, it's the, better, it's the best answer? Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. Well, you've got a heavenly father who's better than you are. And he doesn't always say yes because his no and wait is better. God answers all prayer. Yes, no, wait. Now, James does say, hey, you have not because you ask not, so you should get to asking. But secondly, sometimes you ask that you may spend it on your lust, your flesh, and therefore you don't get it. So God says no. But he answers all prayer. Yes, no, wait. Now, how many of you are grandparents? Okay, you don't know anything but yes. Man, I never forget, when my parents became grandparents, I'm watching them with my kids going, who are these people? One day I looked at my parents. My son was like three years old. Uh, By the way, I have two more. I didn't tell you about my whole family on Sunday. I got two more sons. I got an adopted son who's 26. He and his wife are serving in North Africa as missionaries. They just left in September. And then I have a 19-year-old son who's studying for the ministry, and he feels called to be a pastor. And maybe I told you about them. But but I, I remember when my son was like three years old, he's like the first grandkid. And I'm watching my parents with him, and I'm like, all they ever say is yes. I looked over at my dad one day, and I say, I'm sorry, who are you? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you treat the grandkids completely different than you ever treated me growing up. He goes, no, I don't. I'm like, yes, you do. I'm like, you don't know how to say no or wait. He goes, yes, I do. I said, I've never heard you tell that boy no or wait. And he goes, well, I will someday. Yes, no, wait. I remember one time I was in college and I was studying to be a pastor and I I was single, but I didn't want to be single and I was praying for a godly pastor's wife to come my way. There was this girl at Piedmont Bible College there and I thought, man, she's the one. So every night I would pray, oh God, I'm walking with you. I'm clean before you. I'm serving you. Lord, you know I need a helpmate and that girl's the one. Give her to me, Lord, in Jesus' name. And you know what God said? No. And it was the best no ever, because I did not marry a Carolyn, which that was the girl I was praying for. I married a Valerie. So God said no, and he said wait. God answers all prayer. Yes, no, wait. Now what is prayer? Because James says, the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. What is prayer? Well, prayer means a exchange of desires. Now you say, wait a second, I have never heard that definition for prayer. Well, that, that is a definition you don't hear often. Many times when I open up devotional books, the author will say, prayer is talking with God. Prayer is communion with God, and that is true. But when you, if you were to go home tonight and look up in the original language, the Greek language, many times when prayer is used in the New Testament, the actual definition means an exchange of wishes. Now you say, why is that so important? Why will not you think about that for a moment? I think it implies this. When you kneel down on your knees and pray like Jesus told us to pray, and he gives us the model prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is telling us to do is it's a prayer of realignment. God's desires are becoming my desires. It's an exchange of wishes. While I'm letting God know some things on my heart, God, by His Spirit through His Word, is transforming my heart to think and feel like He wants me to. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Your name, not my agenda. Hallowed be Your name, not what I want. Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, not my kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, prayer is an opportunity for you to exchange your desires so that you cast your burdens on the Lord, but you allow the Lord to work in your heart and life so that when you get up off your knees, you are thinking with the mind of Christ. That God's heart becomes your passion. True prayer is an exchange of desires. James says, the effective, fervent exchange of desires with the Lord of a fervent, righteous person availeth much. Now, what are some reasons to pray tonight? Well, here's a few. James tells us that God works powerfully through prayer. James doesn't mince words. He says, church, I'm telling you, if you will get your prayer life right and you'll get yourself in the right position before the Lord, and you'll meet God's conditions. He will work powerfully through prayer. That's a promise. Uh, my son is at a church in Tennessee right now. And when COVID started, and, and it's a large church, it's several thousand people. But when, when COVID started, the, the pastor was really discouraged about the state of the church. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of pastors were discouraged in COVID. In fact, Barna Statistics tells us that over 32% of pastors since COVID hit want to resign and quit. It's been a very difficult time. It's not so much because of COVID. It's probably just all the conflict and the stress of the whole situation. So when COVID hit, the pastor was very discouraged about the church, the condition of the church. And one night he was out on the porch and he was kind of praying and he was just complaining and to the Lord and he was frustrated. And his testimony goes like this. All of a sudden he felt like the Lord laid it upon his heart that while he was blaming everybody and everything else for why the church wasn't growing and and uh, walking in revival, the Lord just laid on his heart, maybe you should start praying more. Well, that pastor consecrated himself to prayer, and he vowed to start praying two hours a night on his porch for the church. Well, this started around March when COVID hit there in 2020. Okay, 2020. Within two months after he vowed to pray two hours a night, they baptized over 1,000 people. During COVID like when people weren't coming to church, at the time, that church was running about 4,000 people. They would only have a few hundred come in the sanctuary on a Sunday because you know everybody was social distancing, still baptized over 1,000. Since that time, they've now baptized over 2,000, and they basically had a revival period but it happened when when the pastor and the people really got serious about prayer because God works powerfully for a praying people. Here's the second thing I want you to see tonight. We have a good heavenly father who will answer. We have a good heavenly father who will answer. Now, I want you to understand something this evening. Our heavenly father wants to answer our prayers. Jesus said this. He said, you know, there was a widow... Who wanted justice, and she went to a judge who did not love God nor people, and simply because he was nagging her, all right, or, or no, that she was nagging him, he decided to answer her request. And then he said this: How much more will a good heavenly father who loves you perfect want to give you good things? We have a good heavenly father who will answer. Now, I want to let you know something I love to give good gifts to my and it's not going out and buying them everything they want. In fact, there's been many times we walked in Walmart and I just said, no, 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 no. Go ask your mom. She's going to tell you no. All right. But I'll tell you, one of my kids did something a few months ago. We were in a church and they had a tree. It was around Christmas time. They had a Christmas tree out in the vestibule. And they were raising money for foster children. And it took $50 to sponsor one of those kids. And so my daughter walked up to me and she goes, dad, dad, I know Christmas is coming up and I'm going to get some money. She goes, Can I have an advance? And I'm like, What do you mean? She goes, Can you give me $50? And then if I get $50 over Christmas from grandma and grandpa and everybody, I'll pay you back. I said, What in the world do you need $50 for? Because I want to sponsor one of these kids. Guess what she got? A big yes. And we have a good Heavenly Father who loves to answer our prayers when we pray for things on board with. Number three, God works His glory through prayer. God works His glory through prayer. Jesus lets us know that whatever we ask in His name, He'll do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God works His glory through prayer. Joe, the young man who stands in the middle here on the stage, he's the tall guy up here with the blondish hair. I know we'll forget back in the fall, Uh, Last year, we were at a church, and the team members, many days, will pray about three hours a day. They pray for about an hour in the morning. Many times, they'll pray for an hour in the afternoon, and then we usually pray for about an hour before the services. And the reason we do that is, is I've told them, we have no business traveling all over this country preaching the truths of revival if we're not going to be praying. We should just pack up and go home. If we're not going to pray, we should just pack up and go home. So on most days, they will pray anywhere between two to three hours. Now, when we began to teach them that, a lot of them had never prayed for an hour, more or less three. And in fact, many team members will tell you that the first time I looked at them and said, we're going to pray for an hour, they just looked at me like, how do you even do that? Now, they can't get enough of that. <laughs> and I remember one night, right before the service, we were all praying and uh we had prayed for about an hour. We were confessing sin. We were praising the Lord. We were calling on the Lord. We were waiting on the Lord. We got done praying, and Joe, the, the taller guy in the middle, he doesn't really mince words. Like, it, he either says it and means it, or he just doesn't say it at all. But he doesn't mince words. And he looked up at me after we got done praying. And he said, can I say something? I said, sure. What's up, Joe? He said, um, I don't know how to explain this. He said, but as we've been praying tonight, and as, I, as I've been spending time with the Lord, God just keeps putting on my heart, that I need to pray tonight for 10 people to get saved, and I believe 10 people are going to get saved tonight at church. He says this in front of the whole group. Well, I kind of turn around and look at him. I'm like, hmm, well, that's neat, Joe. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I don't want to discourage him. And I'm already thinking in my mind, how am I going to explain to him after the service on why God didn't save 10 people? But I just looked at him and said, hey, well, that's that's great, Joe. Amen. And he just looked at me. He Okay. Well, I preached in the service and invitation time came. Nothing really happened. You know, everybody was fine, but nothing really happened. And I didn't think anything more about it. And I was taking off my microphone and getting ready to walk out the door. And about that time, I saw the back doors of the church open up. And our team members started bringing in children and teenagers at a time that were weeping. Team member brought a teenager up to me Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Ashley. Hey, Ashley, nice to meet you. Who brought you tonight? Oh, somebody picked me up on a bus van and brought me to church. Oh, wow. Is there something you're wanting to tell me, Ashley? Yeah, tonight I got saved. Oh, amen. One by one. Guess how many? Ten. Guess how many by the end of the week? Thirteen. I looked at Joe afterwards. I said, Joe, God answers your prayer. And he goes, well, what did you expect? And you know what? He did it again. We went to a church in Indiana. And one night we're sitting there and the service is getting started and and, uh, we were sitting there praying. We'd prayed for about an hour for the service. Joe raises his hand. Hey, Pastor Mark, I got something to say. Uh, Sure, Joe, what what can I do for you? He said, Pastor, I'm a little burden. He said, we've only had one teenager come each night to this church. And he goes, we really want to minister to teenagers. He goes, tonight I've just been praying. I've just been seeking the Lord. And he said... God just laid on my heart that we need more teenagers, so I'm believing Him for some teenagers tonight. I'm like, well, amen. He goes, well, I'm praying that God gives us at least three, four, five more teenagers. I'm like, well, that's great, Joe. Amen. Amen. Don't mess with Joe. Amen, Joe. Yeah. We dismiss the prayer meeting. Service starts. Team's sitting up front. I look at them. I say, now get up and sing. And they come up, and they're singing. Now, let me tell you something I tell them to do. I say, Whatever goes on in the auditorium, don't look at it, all right? Meaning, in the middle of a service, people get up and go to the bathroom. We've all seen it. We know how it works. They get up, they're going to the bathroom. But I said, what's going to happen is everybody in the congregation, they act like they've never seen it before. So no matter what you're doing, they stare at the person. And I said, while you're singing, you don't stare with them because everybody's going to follow what you do. You're all going to be staring at the person. I said, so don't do that. I don't care what's going on in the auditorium. You stay focused. So they know that rule. I'm sitting up on the front row. We're getting started to worship. They come up to sing. They're smiling. Halfway through the first song, I see a few of them start looking towards the back of the church going. And then they're like tapping on each other, which is the biggest no-no. Tapping on. Well, I'm sitting up on the front row. I mean, forget revival. I'm ready to kill all of them. And I'm sitting there going. I'm trying to get their attention. I'm like, stop it. Hey, hey. Stop it. They are not paying me any attention. And then finally, they won't stop it. I did what I told myself I'd never do. I turned around and looked. I'm sitting on the front row going, I'm not turning around. I'm not turning around. I turn around and look. And about that time, over a dozen high school girls walk into that church and take up a couple of pews.
3: And all of a sudden, I'm going...
1: So after church, I'm like, how did this happen? So I walk up and there's this lady with them. I'm like, ma'am, I'm like, did you bring these girls? She goes, yeah, I did. She said, I'm a varsity basketball coach there at the local public school. And she said, I heard today y'all were having this revival meeting. She said, I'm a Christian and a lot of my girls aren't. And she said, I got to thinking about it. My girls need to see some 18-year-olds who love Jesus. So today, God just convicted me and put it on my heart as I was talking to somebody from this church that I should bring him tonight. So we canceled ball practice, which, I mean, my goodness, you can't imagine that. We canceled ball practice, and I decided to bring him to church tonight. And I'm like, no kidding. So after church, I look at Joe. I'm like, Joe, did you hear this story? He goes, yep. I'm like, yeah, isn't that something? Well, I told you it was going to happen. Why do I tell you these stories? God loves to get glory through prayer. By the way, guess who got all the glory for those? It wasn't Job. It was God Almighty. Hey, let me give you a few other things tonight. Prayer aligns us to His will, His desire, and His glory. Prayer aligns us to His will, His desire, and His glory. Prayer is a time for us to realign to the heartbeat of God. Now, what are some conditions of answered prayer? What are some conditions for effective prayer? Number one, you must be spiritually empowered, boiling hot and righteous. James has already told us that tonight. You're not supposed to do anything that is not of the Spirit. Paul said, I put no confidence in the flesh. Maybe a lot of us have given up on prayer because we try to do it in the flesh. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do anything in the flesh. You must be spiritually empowered filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, effective prayer must be in the name of Jesus. It must be in the name of Jesus. Now Jesus tells us at least four to five times between John 14 and John 16 that if you want to see effective answered prayer, you must ask in His name. Now, I know a lot of us may be sitting here and go, hey, I know all about that. We all pray in Jesus' name. In fact, after I got saved, I listened to my grandfather pray, and he went, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so one day I looked at him I said, Granddad, I said, why do you pray in Jesus' name? He goes, well, Jesus is our only way to God. We don't need a human priest to get to God. Jesus is our once and for all high priest. Well, that's true. But the more I started studying the Bible, the more I realized in the name of Jesus also means that Jesus has given his thumbs up on what you're praying how do you know that listen to this verse and whatever you do do all in the name of jesus what's that saying and whatever you do do all to the glory of god make sure that jesus is giving his thumbs up on what you're doing when you do something in jesus name you're saying jesus is glorified by this jesus loves this jesus is on board with this it's his for his will it's for his kingdom and his glory. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment that on Saturday when we came into your church and the guys were setting up, it takes them about an hour. I want you to pretend that after they set up, I kind of looked around the auditorium and we're in all sorts of auditoriums and I looked around and said, you know what, I've been getting to know Pastor Springer for the past year and Miss Wendy and I kind of know their hearts. You know what, I bet they would love for us to paint this auditorium for them while we get it. So I look at all the guys and I say, "Hey guys, I want you to go out to the bus and bring in that five-gallon bucket of hot pink paint that we." So they looked at me and said, "Why? Why are we going to do that, Pastor Mark?" I'm like, "Just go get it." Just. So I tell my bodyguard back there, that big guy, "I said, go back here and get that 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 bucket of paint." So he brings it in here and get some rollers. And I look at the nine guys that we got and I said, "Now listen, we're gonna we're gonna paint this building hot pink." They're all looking at me going, "Pastor Mark, we're gonna get in big trouble." I was like. We are not getting into trouble. I said, guys, I have been talking to Pastor Springer. We've been texting, we've been calling, talking to Miss Wendy. I've been talking to her for a whole year. We we got Emma on the team. I know their family. I know the way they think. They're going to love this. Like, okay. So we paint the whole thing hot pink. Now, y'all come in on Sunday morning, and y'all are starting to look around going, what in the world has somebody done to church? Well, everybody's talking about it on Sunday morning. They're talking to pastor. You know, everybody's talking to pastor. Pastor's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Don't fire me. About that time, he walks up to me and he goes, hey, Brother Mark, you remember for a second? Yeah, pastor, what's up? You know anything about this? I'm like, I sure do. He goes, what do you know about it? I'm like, we did this yesterday. Don't you like it? He goes, no, I don't like it. You're going to get me fired. What are y'all thinking? I'm like, pastor... We've been talking for the past year. I know what you like. I know your heart. I did it in your name. He's like, you didn't do it in my name.
3: Can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah, you know that. What have you been praying in the name of Jesus?
1: See, I want to be walking with Jesus in such a way, in His Word and by His Spirit, that when I get done praying and I say, In that Jesus, whoever lives to make intercession for us, is going, Here you go, boy. That's what I'm praying.
3: What are you praying? In the name of Jesus.
1: Jesus said, You want an effective prayer life? Better do it in His name. You better get on board what His name approves of. Number three, the Bible tells us that if you want an effective prayer life, One must abide in God's word and allow Christ to make his home in them. John chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, you're the branch. And it's only through abiding in the vine that fruit is birthed by the Spirit. Jesus wants to live his life through you by the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to bear fruit through your life as you make your home in Jesus. Number four. The Bible says that if you want an effective prayer life, you've got to obey God's commands and please Him with your life. You can't be living in secret sin. You can't be living in sin at all and think that your prayer life is going to be effective. And number five, the Bible says that we, when we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. This is the confidence that we have. You must ask according to His will. Let me give you three final things, and I'm going to close with a, a, a final illustration. The Bible lets us know that whenever your prayer life gets into a to uh, the biblical shape it should be in, you can expect the following three things. You can expect spiritual fruit. Jesus says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You can expect spiritual fruit through a prayer life that's on board with God. You can also expect full joy. Jesus said in John chapter 15, these things I have told you so that your joy may be full. And number three, you can expect effectiveness. What did James say tonight? The effective, spiritually energized, effective prayers of a righteous man, or woman, faileth much. I want to close with this story and the pastor will come.
3: Years ago, my wife and I were
1: newly married about 20 years ago, and I grew up in a really small town of about 1,200 people there in Denton, North Carolina, and there's not a whole lot in Denton, and we didn't have much money. I was youth pastor at my home church, and I was trying to learn how to take care of a wife, and uh, we were broke, and and uh, we had been married about three months, and I, I, I finally thought, man, it's time for me to take my wife out for dinner, and I looked at her, and I said, honey, I said, I want to take you to dinner, and I need to get you out of Denton. I mean, Denton literally is 1,200 people, and you blink, and you've gone right through it. And He needed to get out of Denton. And to go to anywhere of any size, I mean, you have to drive 30, 40 minutes. So I said, sweetheart, you know, here we are, newly married. I finally saved up enough money. I want to take you out to dinner. I said, where would you like to go? She said, I'd like to go to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That was about 45 minutes away, big city. She said, uh, I said, where do you want to eat? She goes, I want to eat at Chili's Restaurant wow okay so I'm sitting here thinking the gas money and calculating all that and how much the meal would cost and getting it all squared away in my mind so we drive up to Winston-Salem North Carolina and had a great time went into Chili's and sat down at the table and waitress comes up and she's taking our order and she said sir what would you like to drink I said water two waters please that'd be great I'm counting the dimes and the pennies and my wife's looking at the menu and looking at all the big entrees and I was trying to find the soup and salad I'm just picking by the way and uh so we're looking at the menu and the waitress walks up and I know we'll forget I look I looked at her one time and all of a sudden the Lord just laid on my heart I just asked her what you can pray for her about and I didn't speak audibly or anything but the Lord just impressed by my heart to pray for her and immediately I started arguing with the Lord inside my heart. I I said something like this, Lord, I've been busy youth pastoring. I've been dealing with people all day. I'm tired of people. By the way, your pastor never has that, but some pastors do. I'm tired of people. And uh, I'm just having fun with my wife. We hadn't been out together in three months. I just want to spend time with her. I don't want to hear about people's problems. I don't want to talk to them. And I don't even want to witness tonight. Leave me alone. Holy Spirit just kind of pricked my heart again. And I knew that if I kept arguing with the Holy Spirit, I was going to quench or grieve this. I'd be in sin. But finally, I was just like, oh. The waitress comes back up. I look at her name tag. I don't remember what her name was. I'm like, it's Laura. Hey, Laura, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, sir. Laura, I mean, I was like Jonah going to the Ninevites. Laura, is there anything I can pray for you about? I mean, I'm sitting there going like, please say no. It's kind of like door-to-door visitation when knock on the door. Please don't come to the door. All right, Laura, is there anything I can pray for you about? And all of a sudden, she looked down at me and she goes, no. And she walks off awkwardly from the table. Like just leaves. I'm like, Lord, I told you. I told you this was bad news from the very beginning. I'm off duty tonight. Valerie and I went back to talking. and. About that time, you know, by that time we had our entrees and she was eating her steak and I was messing around with the potato soup.
3: And uh, all of a sudden she came back to the table crying. She looks down at me and she said, can I run something by you? She said, no one's ever asked me that before. But I didn't know what to say yeah because I went back to the kitchen started
1: to cry because she goes actually there's a lot of stuff you can said what's that she goes I'm a single mom I'm working three jobs to make ends meet my little 6 month old is cuz I don't know what in the world
3: Brian said I'd love to pray for you about that prayed for her. walked away and I'm like Valerie and I go back to talking. and
1: Later on, she brought the ticket to the table, and she laid it there on the table, and I picked it up, and I looked at it. Now, this was in 2002, and I think our bill was $20, if I remember correctly. That's not much in today's time, but for me, it would have been $60, $70 in those days. And I'm thinking, sure, $20, dollars i got to pay for that. i got to get us back home. Do I have enough gas money to get back home? But there was something I forgot about. There was this little space for the tip, and we didn't eat out very much, and I forgot about the tip. I thought, goodness, I don't have money for a tip. You're wrestling, and all of a sudden, God brought this verse to mind. If it's in your power to help somebody, and you can do it, and I started thinking to myself, you're not supposed to just pray for people. You need to do good, and she's already told you she doesn't have any money, and
3: so don't just pray for her, help her.
1: I'm trying to figure out what 5% tip is, 8% tip, 10% tip. All of a sudden, the only thing that was on my mind was $20, 100% tip. And I thought, Mark, you're crazy. But I knew the Holy Spirit was putting that on my heart, and I knew if I didn't write $20 in that tip section, I, I, was, I was probably going to leave with a dirty con. I just knew. And I'm sitting there with that pen going, $20? Who leaves a hundred percent tip? And I sat there, and just as begrudgingly as I was whenever I asked her if I could pray for, I I scribbled $20 in that tip section, huddled up, and could not believe I was writing $40 on the receipt. I felt like I was getting a house mortgage. Close that up. Well, about that time, my new wife, my new beautiful. Wonderful wife, my pastor's wife, I had been praying for, grabs that ticket out of my hand and opens it up, reads it, and then she does something that is totally unexpected. We are both Baptist. We grew up independent, fundamental Baptist. And, and, and some of the churches we were in, they were angry about it.
3: I'm glad y'all are laughing about it.
1: And we don't dance, we don't get excited, and we sing with scowls on our faces. And my wife starts, like, doing this move. And I'm not going to do it because this is on live stream night and I don't want to be embarrassed. But she starts, like, moving and making noises. And I said, what are you doing? And she's, like, just, like, dancing and, like, Shouting hallelujah and all this stuff. I mean, kind of getting a little charismatic and we didn't believe in that. And I looked at her and I said, hey, sweetie, sweetie, you know, we're newly married. I said, could you stop it? And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. And she just keeps going. I'm like, no, I mean it. Like, stop it. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. And she's all excited. I'm like, submit to me right now. And you would think she had never read a single Bible verse in her life on submit to your husband. She just kept doing it and I started getting mad. And back in those days I had red hair, and so my face gets red real quick. And so my face is getting red and she's embarrassing me, and people are looking, and I'm like, stop it. He's like, uh. Oh. And she, I'm I am not making this up. She is doing the weirdest thing in the booth. My alleged said, let's just go home. He's like, okay. We get up out of the booth. I am telling you the truth. She danced all the way out of Chili's. I'm like, we're Baptists, we don't dance. We get out of the parking lot. She dances all the way to the car. I am so embarrassed and I'm so mad at her. She gets in the driver's seat cuz I've learned to submit to her. And I get in the <laughs> I get in the passenger side and I look over her and I said, "It's a good thing we're in the car now." I said, "Please don't ever embarrass me like that again." He's still doing it. Halfway down the road, I looked at her and I said, "Look, I know I'm a great guy." I left the waitress $20, all right? And all of a sudden, she finally stopped dancing. And she looked at her room and she goes, oh, I'm not excited that you left her $20. I'm like, you know, you know, you ever read those books, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? I mean, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, what? Then what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm excited, Because after you prayed for her the first time and we found out that she had a baby and she was a single mom and she had a lot of needs, I prayed for the rest of the meal quietly in my heart that you would leave her $20. I looked over at her and I thought about it for a minute and then all of a sudden that same weird weird dance, it came over me too. (laughs) And for a couple miles down the road, we both just... Made fools of ourselves,
3: rejoicing. Can we just go back to number two real quick? Jesus promised full joy. These things I've told you so that your joy. There's two times
1: where I see Christians most excited. It's when their prayer lives are effective. They want to tell everybody about it. Hey, I prayed about this and here's what God did. Or when they share their faith and someone comes to
3: Can't be quiet about it. Jesus said, give you full Tonight, how's your prayer life? How do you know? What's the evidence? Surviving prayer. Go you by your head and close your eyes with me. I wanna pray with you. Valerie's gonna play quietly and thank you so much for your attention.